0: Lifestyle, the way in which we live our lives. It's something formed throughout a series of decisions, whether intentional or accidental. But if our lives are to reflect the lifestyle of Jesus, it should be built with care. And as we allow God himself to form what he will in us and through us and around us, our lives are soon collected in a beautiful compilation for God's glory and for our good. Welcome, everybody, to the weekend, and happy Fourth of July to those of you who are joining us here in the States, whether it's online or one of our campuses or venues. You know, the 4th of July, we think about our freedom, but not everybody has freedom. And I've been thinking a lot lately, I pray uh, regularly for the people of Ukraine who are struggling to hang on to their freedom, not let it be taken away from them. And I wanna thank all of you who are part of Wooddale who have been giving to our Compassion Fund And through that Compassion Fund, we've been working with one of our partners over there, Steiger, to provide all kinds of food and necessities, especially for the refugees. And speaking of refugees, there's a unique opportunity coming up that you might consider being hands-on and partnering uh, partnering with us in. Uh, There's going to be a soccer tournament held here in the Twin Cities, and one of the teams is made up of Uh, Ukrainian refugees. And uh, they're going to be coming with their chaperones. And they're going to need some housing. And I'm just wondering if some of you would be willing to open up your home and house some of those student athletes between uh, July 20th and 26th. If you'd like to have more information, how you can get involved, just check out the website uh, or give us a call here at the church and we'll route the right information to you. But it would be a great opportunity for you to show them some Christian love and hope and encouragement, and learn more about what they're dealing with as they're displaced. Also, I want to let you know that next weekend, on July 10th, at 10:15 am. in our chapel here at the Eden Prairie campus, uh, we're going to have Ukrainian pastor Rudy and the soccer team talking to us about what they're experiencing. And I think you'll appreciate hearing how God is at work in spite of the awful war and how God is using the resources that he's providing through you and through me. Now, this weekend, I want to start out with a question. I want you to think back to your childhood for just a moment. I want to ask you, when you are a kid growing up, what was that one superhero power that you wanted? Or maybe you are all grown up, but you still would like to have a superpower. What would it be? I did a little bit of research and found out that the top three most desired superpowers were number one: invisibility, number two, superhuman strength, number three, the ability to fly. If you could only have one of those, which one would you choose? Maybe later on today, you can sit around the table or have coffee with your family or friends and discuss which one you would choose and why you would want that power. but I want to let you know this weekend that you, if you're a sincere follower of Christ, you already have the greatest superpower of all living inside of you. The very presence of God, that is the Holy Spirit. And I want to welcome you to the second part of a message that I started last weekend where we were talking about how to live a Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled, Spirit-directed lifestyle. And we're going to go a little bit deeper today in understanding that from a practical perspective. Remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 16. We looked at it last weekend. Jesus said, "But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or some versions use the counselor or the helper, all of them referring to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you." And I mentioned to you last weekend, I said, "Look, you and I are better off now than if we'd actually been living and walking with Jesus and the apostles in that day. It's better to have him present in us than beside us. And so we want to explore what that means. How, how can I live this out in my life? Because the big challenge is this. It's one thing to say, I believe it and I know it. But how do you actualize that in your thinking, in your, in your conversations, in your words, as well as in your behavior? How do you get there so that you sense and know, yeah, the Spirit's alive in me, the Spirit's working in me, or the Spirit's alive and working in others or in the church? And to look at that further, we're going to hear from a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, who was also inhabited by the very same Spirit living in you, and the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these words to, churches in, to the church in Ephesus. He writes, So be careful how you live. He says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Some versions say, don't be drunk with wine that will lead to debauchery or to excess. Instead, okay, that's the key, right? Instead, instead of being drunk with wine, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, or I guess we could say be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Now, why does Paul use wine and drunkenness as a way to compare and contrast what it means to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, Let's just talk for a, a quick moment about what happens when a person uh Takes alcohol into the body and what can lead to drunkenness. Uh, first of all, it always begins with a choice, right? I choose to take a drink. If I keep drinking, it has an effect on my body. And scientists tell us that it affects, the alcohol affects what's called the serotonin or the dopamine in our, uh, our neurotransmitters. And what that simply means is that's the feel-good stuff, right? It affects the feel-good portion of our brain, the reward center of our brain. And so it feels good, and we crave more as a result of it. And what happens is suddenly that alcohol starts to take control of us, our thinking, our body, our very behavior, and it literally changes us. And what Paul is saying is here is, look, choose to let the Spirit be your reward. Let the Spirit be your satisfier. Choose the Spirit to become intoxicated with. Let the Spirit have control of your life, and let the Spirit change how you think, how you speak, and how you behave. Let's explore that a little bit more. I came across some interesting information on a UK uh, website called Words of Life. Not Word of Life, but Words of Life. It was uh, talking about this passage of Scripture, and I I thought they did a good job talking about what happens to somebody when they're drunk and how what happens to them as the means of alcohol, all right, we can use to look at what needs to happen in our lives by means of the Holy Spirit. You'll see as we unpack it. Number one, they say a drunk is often possessed with an immense sense of well-being. See, that's the serotonin, that's the dopamine. And so initially, right, as, as that person consumes more and more alcohol, there's a phase that they go through where they just start to feel kind of relaxed and, and, and kind of peaceful and, you know, I mean, almost euphoric as a result of it. The problem is, it is oftentimes the basis of addiction in our lives. And, and by the way, you know, Paul could have said, he could have said uh, pornography, right? Or he could have said sex or he could have said food or he could have said money i mean there's any number of things that our lives could be drunk with but in the roman world this was an issue like it is in our world today people who were abusing alcohol and abuse you know is is stepped out you go from that sense of euphoria and as it takes over you end up in confusion you end up in a stupor and you end up in a coma and you die alcohol poisoning all right so it's a it's it's a It's an important thing to be responsible with. Well, in essence, what Paul is saying is, look, draw your sense of well-being. Draw your sense of euphoria from the presence of the Spirit. Let who the Spirit is, God, living in you, so capture your mind and your heart that it becomes your ultimate source of peace. He becomes your ultimate source of joy. You're resting in Him. Secondly, a drunk can be recognized by their face. You know, if you've ever had to deal with uh, drunk people, and I remember when I was working uh, as an EMT, many of the calls that uh, I would go on in downtown uh, Saginaw, Michigan, where I was stationed, was having to deal with people who were out of control, who were drunk. And, And you can just tell. You can tell by by their face there's you know their eyes are kind of glazed over nose and cheeks are rosy red and uh and and there's just this kind of silly look that comes over the face when a person gets drunk the point that paul's making is you know what let the holy spirit let the holy spirit take over your your very nature your very body your very look your very countenance remember that passage in the old testament when Moses is in God's presence on Mount Sinai and he comes down out of the mountain and the people tell him, Moses, you got to cover up, man. Your face is so bright. Maybe you've been out already this summer and didn't use sunscreen like you should have or it didn't work very well and you went back in after a few hours being outside or at the beach and you were just beat red, right? It had an effect on you. In other words, what Paul is saying is spend time in the presence of God of the Lord. Let the Lord in his grace and his glory shine on you and, listen, because he lives in us, shine through you. And we'll talk about how to do that in just a little bit. Thirdly, a drunk has a certain odor about them, all right? A certain odor about them. you, You can tell when somebody's just been around alcohol a little too much. I mean, it's it gets spilled on them it's on their breath and and you feel like you're at a at a winery or you feel like you're at a brewery because it's just all over the, the the smell is there you know what's been going on well the bible tells us right that we are to be like a sweet aroma to the world people people should be able to sniff out God in our lives Remember the fruit of the Spirit referred to it last weekend? Love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the aroma that we should be giving off to people. And that's, that's an attractive aroma that they're drawn to. All right? Uh, number four, a drunk gives themselves away by their walk. All right? When a person gets drunk, you know the sobriety test, right? Walk the straight line okay well a a drunk you know has lost control the alcohol is in control and and they're trying to walk a straight line but they can't you know they're all over the place right well the bible tells us that if we'll let the word of god and the spirit of god be the compass in our life he will guide us in a straight path he'll lead us forward in the right path and so to be filled with the Spirit is to be walking in the path that God has laid out for you and that he's laid out for me. Or, a drunk betrays themselves by the way that they speak. Have you ever had to deal with somebody who's drunk? Um, they slur their speech. They don't make any sense when they talk. Um, they ramble uh, It's a sad thing to see. A lot of people laugh. They think it's funny at parties, etc. But it's really sad because they're saying things they normally would not say. And that's because the alcohol has taken control of their life. The question is never how much alcohol have you had. The question is how much of you does the alcohol have. Well, when somebody's under the control of the Holy Spirit, it changes their speech. It changes how they talk. The words become honoring and edifying and encouraging and uplifting. Next, a drunk is not responsible for his or her actions. Say, wait a minute. Well, they're responsible for taking the drink. But remember, you drink too much, the alcohol now begins to control you. And that's why people, again, who get drunk, oftentimes do things that, generally speaking, they would never do. Embarrassing things dangerous things, bad things. So what Paul is saying to us is, look, let the Holy Spirit control your behavior. Let the Holy Spirit determine how you respond in a situation that you might encounter or have. Don't let something else control that. Don't let your flesh control that. Don't let other people control that. Don't let your possessions control that. Let the Spirit of God control how you behave, and then a drunk is known by the company that they keep. A drunk is known by the company that they keep. In other words, you know, um, they they go to their favorite watering hole, all right, and and they want to carouse and be with you know their their fellow drunks, okay, because we're all in this thing together. We're all you know laughing at each other together. We're all having a quote great time together. In essence, what Paul is saying is, look, he's saying, make sure that you keep good company. Keep good company with others who are also seeking to live a Spirit-filled life. Keep good company with others who will challenge you to grow in your faith and in your walk with God. Now, it's, it's easy, right, to just say all these things. But to be filled with the Spirit means to come completely under his control. Look at this. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to come completely under his control. Listen, in every area of our life, especially when we're under pressure and in difficult circumstances. Now, I've been talking a lot, and sometimes it's easier to see the truth demonstrated than it is to just hear it spoken. So, I want to take you to an illustration. I've used it before. It's just a powerful illustration that may help you grasp and understand this idea of being filled with the Spirit. I've got over here a, um, a clear bowl, and uh, this bowl is in a few moments going to be filled with some wine, and uh, this sponge is going to represent your life and my life, all right? So what are we learning from this passage of Scripture? Well. Paul is telling us, you know, instead of becoming drunk with wine, all right, and again, as I pour the wine out, this, can be, this could be money, this could be pornography, which is very addictive and creates a chemical reaction in the brain. This could be relationships, it could be uh, possessions, it could be your job, it could be any number of things, all right? And all of us, all of us come to be who we are as a result of the influence of others or other things in our lives. In other words, we're all like sponges from the moment we are conceived. And you see this especially as you raise your kids. Who's influencing their life? And we take whatever we spend the most time with, whatever we're the most exposed with, and consciously and even subconsciously, guess what happens? It begins to influence us. It begins to control us. It begins to change us. That's why we said last weekend, and we've been saying, you know, as we watch what's happening in our culture today, even amongst Christians, sometimes it's hard to understand why they're saying the things they're saying and doing the things they're doing. It's because they're absorbing into their lives the things of the world, the things of the flesh, and all that the world offers as a result of that. Well, what that eventually leads to is I go through life and what starts coming out of me is whatever I've absorbed. And there's nothing like stress or negative circumstances to really reveal what's in our lives. So just look at how all of that just gets squeezed out. Paul's saying, look, Jesus is saying, look, when when life squeezes you, when stuff starts to happen in your life, what ought to come out is the Holy Spirit. What ought to come out is my presence, my being, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As you think about your life right now, maybe you're feeling kind of squeezed. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage right now and there's some challenges that are taking place with that spouse of yours. Maybe it's with your kids right now. They're really challenging you. Or maybe it's your boss. Or maybe it's a health issue. Or maybe it's just all the craziness in this world right now. Let me ask you a question. What's coming out of your life? What's being squeezed out in terms of words? What's being squeezed out in terms of behavior? What's being squeezed out in terms of your thinking? Is it God-honoring? Is it Christ-centered? Is it the Holy Spirit? Whatever it is that you're spending the most time with and absorbing, that's what affects and changes your life and my life. So, let's go back and let's get real practical now, okay? Because what I've done is I've shared with you, on the one hand, kind of the theology, right, of being filled with the Spirit. And we've demonstrated that. How does that now become something I feel and I experience happening in my life? Just a couple of principles. Here they are, okay? How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay? Number one, we've already talked about it. Make the right choice. Make the right choice. Choose. Choose every day in prayer. Choose to let the Spirit govern your life. You can do that. You can choose Him and He will fill your life. You can ask Him. You can say, I surrender to you today. Please take over my mind and my will and my emotions and my body. And that's the part that you and I have to get serious about. Choosing to honor the Lord. Choosing to put the Spirit of God first in our lives. All right? Philippians chapter 4 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Look what he says. Fix your thoughts on what is true. It's so important for today, isn't it? We've been talking about all the lies that are out there. He's saying fix your thoughts on what is true. Not on Fox News, not on CNN, not on MSNBC, not on The View, not on whatever, okay? Not on a a personality, even a pastor. He's saying fix your thoughts, your thinking, the part that absorbs. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. That's something you got to spend time doing that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn to receive from me. hear what he's saying? Don't just get more knowledge. We We have so much knowledge. He's saying, don't just absorb more information. He says, put it into practice. Take what you read, what you memorize, what you learn, what you hear from God's word, and do it, and do it. And receive from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing Then, look what he says, then the God of what? He says, look, then you're going to have peace. Then the God of peace will be with you. You'll have spiritual euphoria. You'll have peace. You'll have a settledness. If you make the choice to focus on the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Number two, let what you soak up take control of your life. Just like, you know, the wine you soak it up all right you soak too much of it up it's going to take control he's saying soak up the holy spirit and let the holy spirit have control now i have said many times that you cannot separate the holy spirit from the word of god the holy spirit inspires the word of god the word of god is the very breath of god spoken to us and the spirit uses the word of god in our lives and just as I have the Word of God, I've got to be careful, I gotta be careful not to become legalistic, right? I need the Word of God. I need the Holy Spirit to, to massage it into my life. I need the Holy Spirit to use it in my life. Look what it says in the book of Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with most of your heart. No, all your heart. It says, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So there's that straight path, right? Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. That's pride. Instead, okay? Instead, remember, don't be drunk with wine, instead be filled with spirit. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Interesting, isn't it? You know, when I was a, a kid, and this I've always think about this as summertime because, you know, summer's when a lot of people go to the lake or You know open their pools up and they go swimming and i remember as a kid i i had just begun to learn how to swim and they were trying to teach me how to float on top of the water which just scared me to death and they kept saying and then they demonstrated they'd lay back just relax let the water take control and every time i would try it i'd panic i'd stiffen and i'd sink and i'd swallow some water and sputter it up so finally they they said trust me and and You know, the people that helped me kind of turn me on my back. They kept their hands underneath me, right? And they assured me they were there, okay? Relax, relax, take a couple of deep breaths. And they keep talking to me, relax, relax, until finally I actually began to relax. The next thing I knew, their hands were further and further away until, guess what? Until finally I was floating there. What had happened? I'd given control to the water. I'd, I was resting in the water. I was relaxing in the water. I was letting that water with buoyancy hold me up. You got to do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. And it takes time, it takes concentration, it takes a daily focus to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to rest in you. I'm facing a difficult meeting at work, I'm having a challenging time with my kids, I'm struggling with this cancer. I'm I'm trying to figure things out financially. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to to rest in you. I'm going to do what I can, but I'm going to rest in you. Are you resting in the Spirit right now? Are you trusting in the Spirit? Finally, use your God-given will to make the changes that the Word of God calls for. Use your God-given will To choose to make the changes that God calls you to make see here's what I think one of the big problems is that we face and why why we have a hard time experiencing a spirit-filled life at least why I do and that is because we have this idea that that you know we just pray and say God take over and we kind of wait for him to do that it's like we want him to do everything for us and we put no effort forward. It would be like somebody who says, I, I struggle with alcohol. I, I, I can't manage it well. I'm irresponsible with it. But they go to the bar every day. Oh, it's, it's one thing to say, I, I'm an alcoholic and I want to stop. But if you go to the bar every day, it's not going to end. Or it's like saying, I, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. But you keep eating three, days, uh, three meals a day at McDonald's. Or it's like saying, you know, I want to get stronger. I want to get more buff. But all you do is drive by the gym and look at it and hope and pray that somehow by driving by it, it's going to make you stronger and leaner or faster. In other words, you have to put some effort in, right? There are things you need to start to do and there are things you've got to stop doing in order to feel the effect of it. I've shared with you before that I enjoy uh, road biking and I got into it just a, a few years ago and um, I, I guess I was a little bit naive when I first started. And I remember I went to do one of my long rides one day. And uh, it was early in the morning. I was on my bike. And, and I was pedaling along. And all of a sudden, I, I noticed this guy coming up behind me. And he went right past me. He went kind of fast. And he didn't have a fancy road bike. Uh, the tires weren't that big. The tires actually looked, you know, uh, i i mean the tires weren't that small the tires looked kind of big and i don't know the bike just was not impressive and he had a big backpack on and he was sitting upright he wasn't kind of bent over and i kept thinking to myself you know what's wrong with me you know what what what's my issue how how can this guy possibly be going faster than me and that was kind of just at the beginning of the you know the uh, pedal assist electric bikes and so i'm sitting there struggling trying to figure out why i can't keep up with this guy because i'm competitive I don't let anybody pass me. If I see somebody ahead of me, he's like a magnet. I'm drawn to them to pass them. And here's this guy. and Finally, it dawned on me, he's got a little motor on that bike. And so I kind of had this attitude now toward, you know, those who come passing me on the road, especially the 80-year-old grandmas who, you know, will come by with their little hat on and, you know, scoot right by me and kind of look at me and smile and wave, right? I just feel like that is not fair until last fall. Last fall, Marsha and I went on a day trip with some dear friends of ours, and, and uh, the idea was that we would uh, rent some electric bikes. And so I thought to myself, well, I, you know, this, this is the first time for everything. We'll see what that's like. And I got to tell you something. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, some of those bikes are so powerful. It was like my turn to go by somebody and wave while they're sweating, and I'm just kind of enjoying myself. But one of the things I noticed about those bikes is they allow you to pedal. And some of the bikes are made in such a way that you've got to pedal in order for that little motor to kick in. And then all of a sudden you feel that, you feel that uh, extra energy, you feel that extra power, and you, you pick up speed. Even though you're biking, there's another power at work pushing that bike forward. So now, like I said, I like getting on that bike once in a while. Somebody let me there, lent me theirs to use and just, you know, just going in my power but feeling that extra power. I, I share that illustration with you because that's kind of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like you've got to do some pedaling. When you start to pedal, when you start to be obedient, when you start to surrender when you start to focus on him, when you start only absorbing him and absorb less and less of the world, you literally feel and experience his power accelerating your life. Begin to feel yourself growing with him. Now, there's so much more I'd like to say about this. And so, over the next six weeks, I'm going to... uh, put on a blog, some more writing on this whole area. And I'm going to invite you to join me over the next six weeks of pressing into more practicality of what it means to live a spirit-filled life. Because I want you, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to experience the riches of Christ now. Even in difficult circumstances, even in this crazy world, I want you to know I want you to know, I want to know the joy of the Lord. So maybe we'll be able to keep each other accountable toward that. So stay tuned and check online. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Next weekend, we'll get back and uh, we're going to focus on prayer and holiness and how God wants to use that in our lives from the words of Jesus in John chapter 17. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Pray and ask that you would help us this week to make the right choice. surrender control and to let you change us in Jesus name Amen